Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. The videos from the marshmallow experiment are hilarious. In the 1960s, Stanford researcher Walter Michel and his team brought hundreds of four and five-year-olds into a private room, one at a time, sat them down at a table, placed a marshmallow in front of them and struck a deal. If they didn't eat the marshmallow, the researcher would be back in 15 minutes with a second one, and then they could eat both. You can picture this. As soon as they're alone, some kids jump up and stuff the marshmallow into their face. Others wiggle and bounce and shift around in their chairs, eventually caving and eating the marshmallow. My favorites are the kids who just lick the marshmallow. It's very creative. And then there are the kids who actually manage to wait the entire 15-minute eternity for their two-marshmallow reward. Which kid were you? The researchers followed their young subjects for more than 40 years. The ones who were able to hold out ended up having higher SAT scores, better responses to stress, lower levels of substance abuse, and better social skills. In summary, the capacity to delay gratification, to choose the pain of discipline over the ease of distraction is highly correlated with happiness and success. Whether or not one choice a toddler makes will determine the rest of their lives, I suspect we should pay attention to these findings. That restraining ourselves from doing what's easy or expedient and making the choice to put in some hard work is a worthy enterprise. And here's the good news. We can learn this. We can make a spiritual practice of patience. Over the course of the 20th century, the appearance of the word patience in American books declined by 48%. Pre-pandemic, pre-stay-at-home, we were living in a world spinning faster and faster on instant gratification. High-speed internet, instant messaging, check. Gourmet meals in a box with minimal prep time, check. Books downloaded immediately, audiobooks that can be played at twice the speed of the human voice, check. One-click ordering and same-day delivery, check. TSA, no waiting lines, check. The digital age has propagated an emotional zeitgeist with a low tolerance for frustration and a paucity of patience. And then came the great pause. 
If we think of this time as enforced patience, we'll miss the point. We were living lives that were faster, but not necessarily wider or deeper. When we practice, we increase our capacity to live with delay and the accompanying anxiety, frustration, discouragement, failure, trouble, and suffering. To tolerate it, or at best to accept it without getting upset. And there's what's really important, not to be undone by having to wait for things to change. Leo Tolstoy said the two most powerful warriors are patience and time. Mahatma Gandhi said to lose patience is to lose the battle. I'm thinking on this Mother's Day about a time which I lost many battles with patients that was the process of adopting my kids. I ground my way through the paperwork and gave half my life savings to an agency in Atlanta that was brokering international adoptions in Latin America. The other half was in reserve for actually going to Peru and bringing my kids out of the Civil War there. It was a long, frustrating slog, very occasional small advances followed by heartbreaking setbacks with no assurance there'd be a family at the end. And then almost three years into the process, I received a letter from Georgia's attorney general. The adoption agency had been shuttered. All my money was gone. Looking back, I wish I had had more faith. It is always darkest before the dawn. A chain of extraordinary circumstances, extraordinary coincidences was set in motion, coincidences being the God's way of remaining anonymous, leading me to Lima and to the exquisite birth mothers who entrusted me with raising their beautiful children. Despite my impatience, there was a bounty of blessings at the end. But faith and patience would have been good. From here, I can see how I missed child-free opportunities that I will never get back. That time of waiting could have been so rich instead of so barren. It turns out that patience is not just about waiting. It's about how we wait. I suppose these days are a little like that. There really is nothing to do but wait. And while we're waiting to do the strange non-doing of lying low, staying apart, starving the virus of new hosts, I'm told there is a Chinese proverb that says, one moment of patience may ward off great disaster. One moment of impatience may ruin a whole life. Let's not look back on this time and regret how we missed practicing patience. For centuries, philosophers and theologians have been all over patience. Patience is a virtue. All things come to those who wait. It turns out they weren't wrong. 
In 2012, two professors, one in theology, one in psychology, teamed up to offer undergraduates a course in patience. The students were taught to identify feelings of impatience and their triggers, to regulate their emotions, and to empathize with others. They also learned meditation. After just two weeks, participants felt less depression, a greater sense of abundance, and more gratitude. Modern science says that patience is associated with higher agreeableness, a personality trait characterized by warmth, kindness, and cooperation. Patient people tend to be less lonely, perhaps because making and keeping friends with all their quirks and slip-ups requires a healthy dose of patience. Patience enables us to tolerate flaws in others and display more generosity, compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. With just a little patience, we too can end up with better mental health, peaceful rather than disgruntled or steaming, red-faced and sputtering. Here's a little more on the spiritual practice of patience. Three steps. First, pre-pandemic, we might have fooled ourselves into thinking we were multitasking. There is no such thing. There is only jumping from thought to thought and perhaps task to task, interrupting ourselves if we aren't being interrupted, and the feeling we're never making enough progress or really finishing anything the way we'd like. The spiritual practice of patience begins with paying attention, finding our breath, slowing ourselves down just enough to focus, doing one thing at a time. Practice waiting. Lao Tzu asks, do we have the patience to wait until the mud settles and the water is clear? Can we remain unmoving until the right action arises by itself? Second, it might be helpful to reframe the situation in which we find ourselves. It just might not be all about us. One day, I was that person, driving like a maniac, waving my way through traffic, passing on the right, heading to a deathbed. Ever since then, I have prayed for people driving like that, realizing that at any moment, anyone could be trying to make it in an emergency. Instead of swearing at them, I say the loving kindness phrases for them. Lest this sound pious, it's actually lovely and calming, though I should add that I learned the hard way that I occasionally say the phrases anything but sweetly. I have a distinct, though distant memory of my toddlers strapped into their car seats in the back seat, yelling the phrases in a crabby, bossy way. May you be happy, peaceful, and free. They didn't learn that from nowhere. Third, practice gratitude. George Bernard Shaw said, two things define you, your patience when you have nothing and your attitude when you have everything. 
patience, it turns out, is not passive. There's a whole world in waiting. Maybe it's a choice to hold tight until our intuition says, make your move. Maybe it means waiting our turn, knowing our turn will come. Maybe it's a way to know the divine. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Dr. Judith Orloff writes, tell yourself I'm going to wait peacefully and enjoy the pause. Notice the stress release you feel and how your body relaxes. Practicing patience will give us a choice about how we respond to disappointment and frustration. When we can stay calm, centered, and don't act rashly out of frustration, all areas of our lives will improve. Rumi said, if we are irritated by the rub, how will we be polished? Today, we find ourselves in a worldwide experiment in patience. The news is full of people who are emerging from isolation too soon, flirting with self-destruction and threatening perhaps to kill us all. But there are so many more of us who, in redoubling our patience, can burn out the virus. I'm thinking about Antoine de Saint-Exupéry's fox's words to the little prince as he taught him this lesson. If you tame me, says the fox, it will be as if the sun came to shine on my life. I shall know the sound of a step that will be different from all the others. Other steps send me hurrying back underneath the ground. Yours will call me like music out of my burrow. And then look, you see the grain fields down yonder. I do not eat bread. Wheat is of no use to me. But you have hair that is the color of gold. Think how wonderful that will be when you have tamed me. The grain, which is also golden, will bring me back the thought of you. And I shall love to listen to the wind in the wheat. What must I do to tame you? asked the little prince. You must be very patient, replied the fox. First you will sit down at a little distance from me, like that, in the grass. I shall look at you out of the corner of my eye, and you will say nothing. Words are the source of misunderstandings. But you will sit a little closer to me every day. The next day, the little prince came back. It would have been better to come back at the same hour, said the fox. If, for example, you come at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, then at 3 o'clock, I shall begin to be happy. I shall feel happier and happier as the hour advances. At 4 o'clock, I shall already be jumping about. I shall show you how happy I am. But if you come at just any time, I shall never know at what hour my heart is to be ready to greet you. One must observe the proper rites. What is a right? asked the little prince. Those also are actions too often neglected, said the fox. They are what make one day different from the others, and one hour different from the other hours. And now here is my secret. A very simple secret. 
It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. The English translation says that the little prince was taming the fox, but that's a poor translation of the French word apprivoise, which means to establish ties. When we wait together, though apart, we bind ourselves to every other person in the world, all waiting out this global pandemic with a massive patience. Let us do our part. Beloved spiritual companions, before the great pause, our lives were faster but not necessarily wider and deeper. Which marshmallow kid were you? Restraining ourselves from doing what's easy is a worthy enterprise. If we are irritated by the rub, how will we be polished? We can learn this. We can make a spiritual practice of patience. Let's pay attention, find our breath, and do one thing at a time. Reframe our situation and find gratitude. It turns out that patience is not just about waiting. It's about how we wait. We can do this together, apart, apart, together. I promise. I'll wait for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.